Welcome to episode 11 of our podcast show Get Wise, a show dedicated to discussing emerging trends in the cybersecurity and legal landscape and providing unique industry insights. Today we are delighted to welcome on the show Matt Tepp, the Chairman and Managing Director of NX Test Lab, an independent testing laboratory organization founded in 1989, which provides a wide range of leading businesses and organizations with the means to test and evaluate products, services, and systems. Matt holds a litany of security certifications, including CISSP, CISM, CSEPS, and CISA, is a chair of the IoT Alliance Australia's Cybersecurity and Network Resilience Workstream, and is also a member of the Information Systems Audit and Control Association, Matt, welcome to the Wise Law Offices, and thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule today. Thank you very much for having me. All right. To open up, could you help explain to our audience what NX Test Lab is about, its origins, service, uh, services, and vision in the ICT and cybersecurity marketplace in Australia? Yeah, thank you. Um, so uh, the Test Lab itself was founded in 1989 at RMIT University. So we're currently in our 30th year of operation and it was primarily founded to independently test and evaluate information technology um, products and services. And over the years, we've diversified into about eight or nine key areas of which uh, cybersecurity is one of them. And my background personally is in cybersecurity and networking, so it's a bit of a, a natural fit. So in, in a nutshell, we break things and write reports about it. It's great business. Hmm. I see. So do you perceive the cybersecurity industry in Australia as one set to expand exponentially over the next several years? Yeah, I think um, traditionally we've seen uh, IT security come out of information technology and now we're seeing a lot more uh, information security and we're sort of seeing the industry moving towards specific domains. So you see security awareness as a, as a key area. You also see um, technology security as another area, particularly when it comes to things like IoT and consumers. And then even underlying the security, we're now looking at things like um, privacy and safety as other key aspects that security can uh, support. Mm. Indeed. Consequently, the Australian Financial Review recently stated that the cybersecurity industry will face a skill shortage of roughly 18,000 more people by 2026. Being someone with an extended history in the field, what is your view on the current state of Australia's cybersecurity posture? I always think the term skill shortage is uh, quite an interesting concept because you never really know what technology is going to bring us. So you look at um, factories and manufacturing and the efficiencies that um, automation has actually brought. So a skill shortage, I think there might be skills gaps, but maybe not necessarily a skills shortage. 10 years ago, we didn't even have smartphones. So who would have said 10 years ago, there's going to be a need for smartphone app developers. So yeah, I think some of the forecasts are quite interesting. There, There is definitely... Um, a shortage of experience and therefore skills, but I think people um, will change roles and, and upskill. As I mentioned before, cybersecurity awareness is a perfect example. Four or five years ago, there was only a handful of practitioners in Australia working for major organisations. Now, uh, there's hundreds of people that are actually focusing on awareness within organisations, both for 
the staff and also for their clients. And this is a critical um, area which has evolved over the past few years. Hmm. Moving on a bit, um, we often hear about technology and law concerning the integration of, say, AI, blockchain technologies, to ease legal processes. However, the law of technology is something which you, is becoming increasingly pertinent to everyday life, and is something upon which you yourself have considered on your blog with CSO, if I've seen. Considering your article, Content Filtering, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, you expanded on the government's consistent attempts to filter and censor online content. What is your view on the current state of Australia's cyberspace now as compared to 10 years ago? Yeah, it's interesting. So I've worked in the internet industry in Australia for, well, 30 years. So the internet has been in Australia for 30 years and I've worked in that industry for 30 years. And, um, you know, a lot of people have likened the internet to the Wild West and, um, you know, borderless um, globalization but what we've seen recently over the last few years is um, different nations really trying to get hold of the internet uh, US is obviously critical there's a lot of content providers coming from the US China's another example and Australia I think most countries are actually almost creating splinter nets within their own jurisdictions I think when it comes to law it's it's very difficult again we're talking about that skill shortage earlier, I think at the end of the day, it's people trying to race to keep up with technology change and the impact that it has on the citizens and not just the citizens of one country or another country, but also the globe. So we hear things like net neutrality. Issue is net neutrality, something which has been pushed by those content vendors, the ones that are also being accused of compromising our privacy. So on one hand, they want access to our data and they hope that we give it to them freely and then they can sell it and monetize it for advertising. On the other hand, they want um, the service providers to not put um, controls in to, to potentially um, prioritize or deprioritize their traffic. So I think with everything, you need to read between the lines and have a look at what agendas, especially commercial agendas, um, people have when they're pushing certain policies. And I think from a government perspective to try and regulate uh, something like the internet, again, technology changes, it, it is difficult. And in Australia, we've had certain policies, um, so main ones that we've worked on over the years, and we currently, since 2004, have been running the um, Family Friendly Filter Program, which is now sits within the Office of the eSafety Commissioner, but it's administered by Communications Alliance, which is an in industry association for the carriers and that really um, focuses on um, the material which looks at um, child abuse and child sexual abuse so no one's going to argue that that content isn't appropriate it shouldn't be refused classification and it should um, preferably be either blocked or taken down um, again the issue is if the content's hosted in Australia then the Australian Communications and Media Authority have the ability to issue notices for the host to take that uh, that content down. However, in some jurisdictions, that content or the host may be protected um, by the government or their state. So um, we do need to employ certain techniques to um, filter that material out. So it's um, one, not accessed by citizens and two, not accidentally accessed by um, children. So there is a place um, for filtering, but 
as I said in my blog, it's the good, the bad, and and the ugly. So, um, we've done a number of projects for um, government departments and agencies, and at the end of the day, the the bottom line is they're all circumventable. It doesn't matter what country you're in or what um, what uh, rules and regulations are put in place. If you want to get around filtering technology, then there's generally uh, a way. So that's not necessarily the the be all and end all and particularly when it comes to parents there's nothing is going to be better than um, parental oversight you wouldn't allow your children to have a computer connected to the internet in their bedroom you may put a parental control in place to to stop accidental accessing of um, material that's inappropriate for children but you wouldn't uh, think that it was a be all and end all to that um, to that potential issue Mm. so you did mention a bit about net neutrality. Tied to this, what is your current view on net neutrality and freedom of expression more broadly online? Yeah, well, obviously, like I said, the internet in some people's eyes is the wild west and it and it's very difficult to regulate. Uh, in others, you know, as I said, I think the question of net neutrality is you have to look at who's pushing net neutrality and who's, who's behind it. So you look at the major content hosts, as I said, They've always been keen to ensure that their traffic is prioritised or is actually given the same classification or class as other levels of traffic. Whereas, perfect example would be in the school system. So, um, you know, there's a number of popular um, video hosting sites. Some of them are owned by large US multinational corporations. And uh, if all the students in the school started accessing um, this content then it would significantly impact the performance of the network um, to the adverse effect of their education so there's an argument that could be made to say well let's deprioritize that traffic and prioritize the actual educational traffic which is coming through the network those that are opposed to any type of traffic prioritization would um would call a foul on net neutrality so mm. i think like i said you've got to read between the lines see who's pushing the agenda and what their actual commercial agenda is and then um make a decision as to whether they're actually acting in the best interests of the citizens of the world or whether they're actually just acting in their own commercial interests so that years ago when the net neutrality first came up there was a call for um by carriers in Europe to, um, they basically said, look, the majority of our traffic um, that we're having to transit across our network is coming from um, two or three US vendors. The US vendors aren't supporting us financially to build out more capacity on our infrastructure or provide additional bandwidth. Sure, the consumer ends up paying for the downloads, but at the end of the day, it's not necessarily uh, enabling them to increase their capacity of their networks and so they were um, threatening to deprioritize this US vendors um, traffic so I think go back you know eight or nine years ago before the US vendor started actually delivering the content almost directly to the ISPs networks and you'll see where net neutrality started started from. Hmm. Right moving Along a bit, the Australian government has recently taken a number of actions to amend Australia's cybersecurity policies. I'm sure that you are aware of the federal government's recent call for submissions to Australia's 2020 cybersecurity strategy. Accordingly, it was pointed out within many of those submissions that 
there should be a call for the return of the Minister for Cybersecurity. What is your view on the reinstatement of the position and what impact do you foresee this as having? Um, it's a very interesting question. <laughs> uh, I certainly have my own personal opinions on it. Um, however, professionally, I think the government has a very difficult role to play. Um, as we know, security of any form is a moving target, regardless of whether it's physical or cyber security. Um, having a specific minister for it, I guess it depends on the government at the times policy. Uh, the issue is uh, cyber security, like a lot of technology, does move very rapidly. Uh, our government isn't traditionally known for moving rapidly. So I think the issue is when they try and set a gender of policy, they try and set it for the short or near term, the next few years. Uh, whereas I think in reality, you have to have certain almost static policies. And I think government may not necessarily be the right place for that kind of role. And I think some uh, statutory body or agency um, which represents the industry or works with the industry to collaborate, I think is a far better model that the country should potentially seek to adopt and, and follow. So don't have any hard and fast rules on that one, but I think a good example is the Office of the E-Safety mm. Commissioner, obviously formerly the Office of the Children's E-Safety Commissioner, and I think safety is a critical area, as is security, as is privacy. So I think we definitely have the safety role being established and having been established and evolving, and I think that there's good, there's good uh, lessons to be learned from there. Privacy, Australia has... Um, obviously state-based privacy commissions as well as federal privacy um, rules and I think we need to try and follow a similar model for for security so mm. that should hopefully cover the majority of things. Mm. Tied to this the Australian government has also issued a recent call for submissions toward the formation of a voluntary code of practice with the aim of securing the internet of things for consumers what aspects of IoT devices do you consider pose an acute threat to Australia's overall national security? And if so, how could such vulnerabilities be addressed? Yeah, so I think um, obviously chairing the work stream for the IoT Alliance Australia in Cybersecurity Network, and we've been working on this um, since the association was, was founded and I joined in 2017 and became the chair. So for the last two years, we've really been focused on it. And I think there's a number of aspects. I think IoT, you know, it's a bit like some of those buzz, buzzwords like cloud and things like mm -hmm. that. But at the end of the day, there is now an, an emerging, I guess, class of products which are inherently connected to the internet or a network. So for example, a water heater at my house now has Bluetooth connectivity and within the next couple of years, it'll definitely have Wi-Fi. So things like water heaters, mm. you know, household appliances. But I think really when you talk about nation state or risk to national security, you have to start looking at uh, infrastructure like utilities. Um, and now they've lucky that from a security perspective, they've had some level of maturity when they uh, moved from SCADA or oh, moved yes. through the SCADA problems, um, you know, eight, ten years ago. Um, so they've already had a, a bit of pain when it comes to connecting their 
I guess their, their operations to to the internet and now I guess what they're pushing out further to the edge to the consumer so there's a lot of smart meters out there now water meters electricity meters um, obviously the internet itself telecommunications is almost a utility uh, particularly when you're talking about cellular communications like mobile uh, networks people rely on it we've seen the disasters in new south wales so uh, i'd say the majority of the content now isn't necessarily being delivered via radio waves it's being de- delivered via cellular uh, networks so protecting that infrastructure i think is critical um, for for australia and for those utilities to work work together uh, i think that's one of the key key things so it may not necessarily be again a a security problem it's more a safety problem mm. um, because it's human lives which are which are reliant on it and that's where I think the government needs to focus on ensuring those critical national infrastructure and organizations of significant national interest have the right policies procedures and, and particularly redundancy in their in their security uh, systems and their networks mm. thank you so finally to finish off if you were to suddenly become Prime Minister, what would you do to elevate Australia's cybersecurity posture? Gee, okay. <laughs> if I was to, I think a lot of people are probably laughing. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> laughing right now. Um, but no, if I was the Prime Minister, I think the key uh, that I'd do, aside from switching off the internet um, or, or giving everyone a license to use the internet, um, having or to just like a, a TV license. Yeah, yes. like a TV license or a driver's license for using the internet don't click on silly things i think the key is putting it back onto the manufacturers and the vendors of the technology which is interconnecting our world and i think um consumers and i'm not putting it onto the consumers i know everyone says if we didn't have any users we wouldn't have any problems but at the end of the day consumer awareness is critical but i think the awareness is to ask the questions it's not to know how to secure your home network it's to know what products to look for um vendors are only going to respond to market demands and if people are actually asking questions about um, what security features does your product have or how easy is it for me to change the default password or you know does your device fail safe rather than fail open Um, they're all questions that manufacturers don't necessarily like asking because manufacturers don't want people ringing them when they can't change their password or they can't um, access the product so generally they'll design products to fail open and fail online rather than um, than to lock off the access to to the product or the functionality and features of the product so I think consumers traditionally buy on um, price and and features they think it's a great product to buy and connect but I think in reality, they should start looking for security. Once they start looking for security, then the vendors are gonna to have to respond and it will become a selling feature. So getting those two markets, the demand side and the supply side up to speed, know what questions to ask, know how to answer the questions, then I think um, Australia should be a lot more secure. So yeah, I think if I was the prime minister, I'd really call on the manufacturers and the vendors and the developers, even the small ones to start building with secure by design principles mm-hmm. start in integrating privacy by design and ensuring safety by design is supply chain security yeah so basically just making sure end to end things are um secure so the consumers are as protected as as possible mm. Mm. okay well awesome thank you again matt for your unique insights into the current state of australia's cyber security industry and cyber governance 
we look forward to expanding on these topics with you again in the future. Great. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. And for our curious listeners out there eager to learn more about developments across the cybersecurity and IoT space, please visit the NX Test Lab website at testlab.com.au. We thank you for joining us today and we look forward to you joining us again for our next episode of Get Wise.